Buggy's in for that one, which is fantastic. Well, this morning, um, I've just, I suppose, been just wrestling with this message for the last couple of weeks. And, and what I normally do is I, I wait and I, I think about something or God gives me a scripture probably two or three weeks out before I speak. And, and sometimes, you know, uh, when it comes to preaching, God just downloads stuff really quick for my wife. Um, but for myself, is sometimes I just have to wrestle with a verse or with a scripture. And it's like, God, what, what do you say? What, what do you want out of this text? And so this morning, I really want to talk about God's standards. Is that God, who knows that God has a standard? Any, anyone know that? You, you open your Bible and you start to look at those standards and you think, really? Could anyone possibly live at that standard? Anyone ever have that thought? Or is that just me? Okay, it's just me. I, I'm, you, you're all ready just to be... You're so with God. But, but I was thinking about this whole thing. And um, C.S. Lewis, he, he wrote this statement. He said this statement. He said, you cannot make men good by law. And without good men, you cannot have a good society. And, and I, I, I saw that statement and I thought, wow, how true is it? Is that the law will never make us good. Is that when you start to read your Bible, you understand, you open it up and, and you see within the scriptures that a lot of people tried to live by the law. They tried to fulfill the law. But the law was never enough to make them good men. But whatsoever, but however though, is that good men can make good laws. Good men can do great things. And so it just got me on this tangent. And today I want to spend my time or it's just spend this time talking about God's standard. A standard is a level of equality or attainment. It's a grade, it's a level, it's a merit. A standard is set. Is it a standard is something used as a measure. Uh, you think about it. Carolina loves camping. We never go camping because I'm the one that's like, I have to set it up. <laughs> she has this great idea. Let's take the three kids to Stradbroke Island. Let's go camping for three days. Who knows, when you've got three small kids and you're going to go camping, you're not going to go for three days. But we did. The first day, you just want to kill all the kids while you're trying to set up the tent. The second day, the kids need to do that many toilet runs that you never get sleep that night before. And the third day is you want to kill the kids as you're packing down the tent. So there are standards. It's like, for when you go camp, for me, camping is this, under six stars. You roll in, roll out. But you look at those things, and throughout society or through whatever we do, is that when you go into a hotel, you know what, it is graded by standard. You go to Macca's. Macca's has a certain standard. Anyone been to Macca's this morning? You know what standard you're going to get. You know what cardboard tastes like. You know what coffee, yeah, bad coffee. There is a standard. You come here and you see Cameron on the coffee machine, you know the standard. Talking about standard, you know, he has a standard. And the same thing with these things, we look at these things, there is a standard. 
You know that if you go into gold class cinemas, you know, where you go into gold class, you know that there's going to be a standard. Yeah, it's the only place where Josh can go and Esther will serve him. <laughs> because she works there. And so you go into gold class, you know you're going to sit on that recliner. You know you're going to be able to sleep. And who knows, who's the guy that goes and just sleeps in gold class? We've all been to that place. Gideon. And so you pull about, you know that you're going to get quality. You know that when you order the food, the food is going to come in. There, there is a standard and standards tell us a lot about a place. The same thing too with us is that standards tell us a lot about a person. Standards tell us, you know, what, what, who they are. A standard will tell what they believe. A standard about a person will tell you what they expect. It tells you what they are willing to do and what they're willing not to do. A standard. And this is what I love about the Word of God, is that the Word of God sets standards. I found this other quote, that, and this one's for Josh again. It says, never try to impress a woman, because if you do, she'll expect you to keep up the standard for the rest of your life. Standards set expectations. Well, yes, it's Dad's day. We can do dad jokes and get away with it. But I, I love God's standards because God's standards affects things around us. So if you start to read and look through the standards that God has, for Christianity and for followers of Christ, you can start to realize, wow, there's some big ones there. For some of us, we open the Bible and it's like, hey, I better shut this thing really quick. I might have to change. But, but I love God's standards. God's standards really do this. It's, it affects humanity's relationship with each other. God's standard will always affect the relationship you have with others. God's standards will always affect your eternal relationship with yourself. Have you noticed that? Is that when it comes to wrestling with God's standard, it's not just about wrestling with those around you. You know, good men can have good relationships. But I believe God, as, as Christians, it goes deeper. And when it comes to God's standards, it's about others, but also it's about our internal struggle. And the other one is this, is that God's standards affects our relationship with our Creator. Is that His standards come into play when we have a relationship with Him. Is that God calls us to a standard, and that standard is His standard. And, and I suppose the text that I, I was reading and looking over the last couple of weeks is really the one that says, go the second mile. I was like, whoa. So I even got to do with standards. But today I just want to have a look at this. In Matthew 
5, 38 to 42. If we could have that up, please. It says this, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an, I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Love your enemies. Who wants to live at that standard? I look at that and I'm like, wow. Really? Are you sure? Is it Jesus? I know this about Jesus. Jesus, he never asks us to do what he is not willing to do first. Does anyone ever notice that? I've heard that scripture preached. I've read that scripture a hundred times and I've never actually preached it. Because I'm like, wow, God, how is that ever going to relate to me? Like, what should I actually do with that? What is going the second mile mean? What is actually giving someone that's going to sue you more than they're asking for? How does that even work, loving your enemies? And as I was reading through this, I believe he spoke to me. And he said this, I will never ask you to do something I have not done myself first. Well, okay. Okay. If we look at 39, we'll look there first. It says, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Who loves that scripture? Who wants to try that one out? I, I look at that and I was like, whoa. But then I, I start looking and just researching into those things. And if you have a look at Isaiah 50, 6 and 7, if we can take that one up, we look back and it's really talking about Jesus, the hope of Israel in this scripture. And I love what it says here. It says, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. That's when God just said to me, you know, I will never ask you to do something that I am not willing to do myself. He's Jesus here. He's talking about this. He's saying it. You know what? Yeah, turn the other cheek. And I'm like, well, God, that, that's good for you to say but then all of a sudden, we can go back to Isaiah, and what he's going to do is exactly that. We know as he was crucified is that his beard was plucked. He was the one there getting spat on. He was the one there getting slapped. 
but he took it all. Is that he calls us to his standard. And I believe this is it's not really just to keep getting slapped, but it's to not hide our face. Is that he didn't hit back? Yeah, he took it, but he still won the victory. Who knows? I've heard this statement. Who knows? Is that, you know, sometimes there's someone louder in an argument. The only reason they get louder is because they're losing the argument. And sometimes we hear someone yelling, whatever. The only reason they're doing it is because they're actually losing. And, and I look at this, and sometimes I think that we live in a day and age where, you know what, the only people that are still in the closet are the Christians. I'll let that one sit there. But Sam, you just said, hey, take a few slaps. Don't. Yeah, but let's have a look at a few verses back in Isaiah. Isaiah 54 and 5. Why was he in that place? The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned, that I shall know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. He awakens me to hear as the learned. My question to you is, do those around you know that you believe? Is that Jesus, he, he was in this place, but... Also, too, he had the ability to speak. He had the ability to share his faith. The only reason sometimes he got slapped, well, he got slapped, is because of his faith. And I think for some of us, we we live our faith in the closet. We don't dare to step out with our faith. It's like we've got it, and my faith is for me and what I believe in my house. Well, well, my faith is this thing that I just come to church and we pray and we have a few prayer requests and then we go and that's my faith done. I love what Josh Kelsey, a young pastor over in America, he, and we've met him, we've had a relationship with him a few times, he's spoken at a few conferences and he's made this statement He said, play it safe with your ethics and morals, but live risky when it comes to your faith. We attend to reverse these. It's for a lot of us, what we do is our ethics and our morals, they're they're out there and we keep our faith safe. But in turn, I believe if we are to live God's standards, we are to keep our morals and our ethics safe and step out with our faith. And so God's standard is really this thing, it's, 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 a, it's a drawing us out. It's a standard that we could probably never live up to, and the only reason we live up to it is when we're in Him. And so 
when I come to this scripture and I'm like, well, Jesus actually never asked us to do something he wasn't ever willing to do himself. Is that he will always ask us to do something that he has done himself. And when he's saying this, he's saying, come on, you know what, you can stand, you can declare the word, And so today, my question is, do those around you know what you believe? It's really quiet in here. Everyone's thinking right now, wow, what would they think of me? What would your workmates say right now? Would they know that you're a follower of Christ? Would they know? Are you willing to step out with your faith and maybe get a few slaps? Are you willing to be that one that, you know, it just says, you know what, stop. Are you willing to maybe pull back and guard your ethics, your morals, and those standards that God has for your life? As we move on, Matthew 5, 41. He says, whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. I love the word compel. Compel is basically, if you look at it, it's forced. It's like, it's come on, let's move forward. It's a pleading. I believe this is more and more every day of how God works, is that he compels me. Who has ever had a compelling within their spirit? Is that there's this thing that you know that you have to do, but you're like, God, no. Who's ever been in that? It's like maybe you're at work or you're with your family and God starts to compel you and he says, you know, start, you need to speak about me in this situation. You actually need to share your faith. You need to actually put it on. No. Who goes into denial right at that moment? Or God says to you, you know what, I have a word for such and such. Go and tell them. No. I'm not doing that. What will they think of me? Now, sometimes we just have to die to self. And, and here he's like, hey, listen, whoever compels you go, to go one mile, go with him two miles. For me, it's the things in my life is that God starts to drop things in my heart. He's like, he compels me to do things during the week. For me, sometimes I'm compelled to call people. On the phone, I just ring them up. Hey, how you going? There's just a compelling. It's not about getting stuff out of people. It's actually sometimes the Spirit of God drops in. Hey, how you going? Just thought I'd give you a call. Sometimes he'll drop words into and say, hey, come on. How about you just go and give that person a word of encouragement? He starts to compel us. And right here is that those that compel you to go one mile, go with them too. I love what Job says, Job 32, 17 to 18. I also will answer my part. I too will declare my opinion, for I am full of words. The Spirit within me compels me. Now, the Spirit of God will compel each and every one of us. But the great thing about this is that if someone compels you, go an extra mile. 
as I was looking through this and ha- having a, a read, and I, I flicked over into Matthew 4, 41. And it just got me thinking, really, is that where was the word compelled used in the New Testament as well? Is it whoever compels you? But then I started thinking of Simon of Cyrene. Is that he was compelled to carry our Savior's cross. Is it at that moment where Jesus was there, he was taken out of the city, he had the cross, he was going to his crucifixion. He carried the cross and at a moment, right there and then, a guy was compelled by the Roman soldiers to carry the cross for our Savior. Matthew 27, 32, it has this. It says, Now as they come out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon, by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross, our Savior. Who have you walked that second mile with? I find this is that it's lawful to walk one mile. If you go back in history and you look through where this second mile thing came from. Is that if you were a Roman, if you were a Roman soldier, what you could do is you could get any Jew to carry all your stuff one mile. It was lawful for them to ask that. Is that I could walk around and if I was a Roman soldier, I could say, hey Gideon, you know what? Carry my shield, carry carry all of my stuff. And by law, he would have to carry it one mile. And when that one mile mark came, he could just put it on the ground and say, I've done my bit and walk away. But he's Jesus. He's saying, well, you know what? How about you go two miles? Some commentaries say that, you know what? Jesus, he had walked a mile with that cross and that was all they were lawful to ask him of. So they had to get someone else to carry it. My question is, who are you going the second mile with? Anyone can do the first mile. But it's that second mile of going past self. And that's the thing, is we can do what's right. Is that we can fulfill the law. We can do those things. But but the thing I love about God is He just doesn't call us just to do bare minimum. He calls us to go beyond. God's standard isn't that of just coming and doing the bare minimum. It's actually going beyond. And in that, we find our blessing. As I was sitting down, just reading through this text and just thinking about it over and over again, I was thinking of Simon and he was compelled to carry that cross. I don't know how far he carried it, but I tell you what, that was the second mile. If that was the second mile, you know what was at the end of that second mile? Blessing and salvation. I sat there and I wrestled with it. I'm like, wow. So God, what you're telling me is at the end of that second mile is blessing and salvation. It's not that we can earn our salvation. 
It's not saying that at all. But he's saying, hey, rise to my standard. If you're with me, rise to my standard. You know, God's standard always goes past the external to deal with the internal. Is that if something is like, yeah, it's my right, yeah, it's what I deserve, you know, you'll always go to that, ex- to that extent. But as soon as it goes beyond, it becomes an internal battle. Think about going and working eight hours, and the boss says, well, hey, listen, could you do... 15 minutes, an hour late. No, no, you, you've got what you deserve. This is all I'm paid for. That's it. And some of us are like that with God. It's like, God, we don't realize He's given us everything. And He's like, hey, hey, come with me that second mile. Come and just hang with me in that place. God's standard is set in people's hearts. You you read through the scriptures of Matthew, most of it, all of it really just has to deal with our heart. It's not about law, it's about heart, it's about attitude, it's about, you know, love thy neighbor as yourself. That's an internal struggle. Because if you can't love yourself, how can you truly love your neighbor? Love the Lord God with all your heart. Again, it comes back to a heart, it's not a doing. It's actually being in Him. Adultery, where does it start? It starts in the heart. Is it, you know what, man has this level of good, man has this level of law, but God says, you know what, come above that. Let's start above that. Let me call you to live in the second mile. And as you live in the second mile, watch the outflow of what takes place. And what I find is that if I can keep in that second mile, if I can keep in that place where, and the only way you can stay in the second mile is with your relationship with God. We can't earn it. We can't strive for it. We've just got to say, God, help me rise to your standard. It comes out of a place of humility, of humbleness, first mile is external, the second mile is internal. God's standards affects our relationship with those around us, affects our own and affects the one within. And as I was writing this, and I, I suppose the struggle that we had was some of those images that came up this week of the young kid or the young family that was actually drowned as refugees. And I know Carolina posted about it. And and Carolina and myself are very different. It says she's called to action. She's got to do something now. For me, I've got to process. I've got to think, okay, I've got to filter it through. I've got to, I'm a guy. It's got to be logical. And as I was reading this and God dropped this in my spirit a while ago, I was like, well, what would the second mile look like? What should that second mile look like when it comes to those sort of situations? 
And I'm not talking about political views right now. I'm talking about what would God's standard be? He's a generous and gracious God. And as I started to think about that, I started to see, you know, as people started to process and days started to come, I started to see the reaction on social media on some of these things. There's a lot of the great leaders and Christian leaders within the life started to say, you know what, this is a tragedy. This should never have happened. I totally agree with that. But then you would have some would come and say, you know, it's unfair that you would post stuff like this. I'm dealing with anxiety. Well, I'm like, well, I, I know. But what would that father be dealing with right now? As I started to look at this, I, it really jumped out at me. And can I get Matthew back up there, please? Matthew 40. It says, if anyone wants to sue you take your, uh, and take your tunic, give him your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn them away. That right there sums it all up. What is the true Christian response to those in need? To walk the second mile, carry our cross, and to open our hearts to those in need. And I suppose this morning, my question is what does that second mile look like to you? What is the second mile that God has for your life? What are those words that He wants you to speak? What are those things that you need to, to come out? Or maybe those things that you need to offer back to God. Maybe it's your lifestyle. Maybe it's your ethics. Maybe it's your morals. Maybe, whatever that is, what does it compare like to God's standard? Does it just scrape in or do you actually need to say, God, here, I give it back to you right now. I need you to come and wash me, come and cleanse me, come and show me your standards afresh. For some of us, we actually need to get our faith and say, this is what I believe. And wait for the persecution. And wait for those that feel uncomfortable. And wait for those. And I, I dare you. Sometimes we have to make people feel uncomfortable. We're Christians. Sometimes Jesus isn't that comfortable. I know He lives inside of me. And when He puts things out, I'm like, you know, this is uncomfortable. Whenever you're showing the grace of God, it will become uncomfortable for those around you. Whenever you're showing the love of Christ. But I believe it's living in the second mile. It's taking up the cross like Simon did. And as you walk through, at the end of it, you will see salvation. And what I mean by this is that, you know what? If you've made a decision, you are saved. But as Simon carried that cross 
And as our Savior hung on that cross, you know, Jesus doesn't ask you to hang on that cross. He hung on that cross. So as you're carrying His cross, He will hang on it. And as that cross went up, He hang on. He hung on it. And a miracle come. Salvation. As you carry your cross, as you show people your faith through your actions and what you believe, going the second mile with you, living in that second mile, they will find salvation. They will find Christ. They will find redemption. They will find wholeness. They will find a miracle. But it just takes us to actually say, you know what, I'll take a few hits. I'll take a few hits for you, God. I'll take a, and maybe it's not easy to hear this on Father's Day. We're supposed to be loving. But who knows, men are supposed to take a few hits. Some men in this building right now need to take a few hits for their family. They need to start to stand up and say, you know what, right now, this is our standing. This is where we live at. I don't know whether that was for anyone, but you need to stand up and say, listen, you know what, I live in the second mile. Lord God, you need to deal with some hard attitude right now. You need to deal with some hard issues right now so that I can live in the second mile, so that I can lead my family to salvation. Because men, we are called to lead our families. Our Heavenly Father leads us. We are called to lead our families. And so today, just everyone in this room, I don't know everyone in this room, but if you'd like to bow your heads, I just want to ask this one question. How is your relationship with Jesus? How is your relationship with Jesus? Is that He died on a cross for you and I so that we could walk in eternity with Him? Is that He has called us out and this morning He has called you to live at a standard? And that standard is unattainable by our mere human efforts. The only way it can be attained is by walking in Him and accepting Him as our Lord and Saviour. And so this morning, I just want to ask this question. Right now, if you feel compelled to be included in this prayer, I would just love for you just to raise your hand. So I know who I'm praying with. Thank you. At the back there, mate. Yep. Anyone else right now that I didn't see? Yeah, I see that hand. Yep. Thank you. Father God, you saw the hands that went up. And this morning, Father God, I pray that your, your salvation will come and rest upon their life. Lord God, it's not what they can do, but it's what you've done for us. And Lord God, you draw us to a higher standard than where we live right now. You said it's not a natural standard, but it's a spiritual standard. Father God, with relationship with you, our Creator, our Father, who loves us so much that you would send your Son to die on a cross for us and in turn empower us to live faith-filled lives. Today, Father God, I pray 
pour out your spirit on those individuals. Intertwine them. Pour out your love, your redemption. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give those guys a hand. Brilliant. And this morning, like I said, is that with this, I wrestled with it a couple of weeks. And, and I don't know what you got out of it, but what I pray that you did get out of it is that don't live below average life. Don't just be average, but live where God created you to live, in a standard above. Not that we're better than anyone else, but that we can shine God's love for all humanity to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Josh Drew, come and tell us what's happening. Thank you.